0: Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is God's Healing Process. God's Healing Process, Mark 8, 22 to 26. And I have an article here from a few years ago, actually 2000, I've saved it for this very passage. Artificial vision system helps blind see. I stuck it in the file for this one because it reminded me of this. I don't know if you've followed this, but it's a wild picture. This guy's got these weird goggles on. And it says, uh, a scientist helped a blind man see again using electrodes implanted into his brain and connected to a tiny television camera mounted on a pair of glasses. This is not science fiction. This is for real. Although he does not see, in the conventional sense, he can make out outlines of objects, large letters and numbers on a contrasting background, and can use the direct digital input to operate a computer. Isn't that wild? He, if he's walking down the hall, the doorway appears as a white frame and a dark background. After, it says here, after processing the information from the camera, the computer sends a signal to the user's brain via 68 platinum electrodes. Each electrode on the surface of the brain produces dots of light when stimulated that resemble stars in the sky. These dots are known as phosphenes. He demonstrated with Jerry, a 62-year-old patient who lost his vision at the age of 36 after a blow to the head. Other one other patient who has tried the new system cannot see anything with it. The scientist said that the man was blinded at the age of five sixty years ago, and his brain may have forgotten how to use the visual visual cortex. He added that he does not know whether the system will work for people who are born blind. Interesting. And this uh, this isn't science fiction. This is for real. There's some interesting parallels with today's passage. If you studied it ahead, like I uh, encourage you on the email, this some very interesting parallels with the story of Jesus healing, but we're going to see that Jesus takes the healing the next step. There was only one step that the science could take this guy, but Jesus takes it another step, the next step, the final step with healing. And we have another Mark sandwich here. Remember I said how Mark sandwiches stories? He'll he'll take two events and put a, uh, a teaching in between or vice versa. He'll take two teachings and put a story in between. He sandwiches things together. He takes it together to make a point. The Holy Spirit worked this way through Mark as he put them down and the religious, here's the, the, the sandwich so far, the religious leaders are completely blind, right? They're spiritually blind. The disciples aren't doing much better at this point, are they? But we're going to see that Jesus is going to open the disciples' eyes and our eyes in the next passage. But first, he sandwiches in a story. Before he opens their eyes spiritually, he sandwiches in a story of a healing a blind man. It's a visual lesson to to prepare the disciples to see who Jesus is. And also a visual lesson for us to see what he's going to do for their eyes and our own eyes, spiritual eyes, right? This is actually a double-decker sandwich, though. You remember the Dagwood sandwiches, Blondie? You know, remember the Dagwood, the huge sandwiches? Well, this is actually a, a, a Dagwood here. It's a double-decker, many-layered sandwich because it's also part of a previous sandwich that was started back in Mark chapter 7. Pay attention to Mark. Watch how he puts these stories together, how the Holy Spirit works through him to make the point to his Gentile Roman readers. And in Mark 7:31, we saw that he healed the deaf-mute. So we have the deaf mute, then we have the story of Jesus feeding the 4,000. we got the bread in there, right? The bread on another layer. And then he brings in another layer of meat here. It's another healing. So we have the healing of the the deaf mute, and now we have the healing of this blind man sandwiched around the the feeding of the 4,000. And there's some parallels, and several people already came up to me this morning and, and, and saw the parallels from these two stories because not only are they two sides of a sandwich, but there's many parallels. And people were bringing them out, emailing me and different things. Uh, they, the people brought the guy to Jesus. They begged him to heal him, right? They brought the friend to Jesus. They begged him for the healing. He used his spit again. There's several different parallels, but he used his spit again. You get the, the idea here. So let's pick it up here in Mark chapter 8. Starting with verse 22. And before we read, I always like to pray. Let me start with prayer. Father, we pray for your mercy and grace to hear what your word says to us. Your Holy Spirit has us here for a reason. And you're going to speak to each one of us, maybe in a different way, through your word, through your spirit. We pray that for your spirit's mercy and grace here. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's read the passage here. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus said, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people, and they look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything. Clearly, Jesus sent him home saying, don't go into the village. What an unusual healing. Right? Do you see anything? Well, oh, I can't. I got spit out my eyes. That's why you couldn't see clearly. Right? Yeah. Oh, what is this? What an unusual healing, right? Crazy. Uh, so, Verse 22, they, we see, I'll read the verse 22 again. They, they came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. They brought him and begged him. And here we have a great example of intercession. Intercession what we can do for other people. What, what does intercession mean? It means when we go in prayer to God and we bring our loved ones and our friends and family members and people, maybe we don't even like, we bring them before God and we pray for them. We intercede for them. We pray for their healing. We pray for their salvation. That's what we do when we, we intercede for people. And even and not just praying, but we physically bring people to Jesus. We bring them to church. We bring them to Bible study. We bring the Bible to them. We, we, we share our faith with them, we invite them, we say, listen, God helped me, he can help you too, Jesus is for real, he has power, that's what the intercession, this is what these people did for their friend, and then verse 23, read that one, where he says, he took the blind man by the hand, and led him outside the village, when he had spit on the man's eyes, and put his hands on him, Jesus said, do you see anything, and so he takes him out of the village, right away. And we'll see why in a few moments. Several of you caught the reason why he emailed me answers on that. We'll see why. But he spit again. He spits again. Just like the deaf mute. Remember what the deaf mute? Just like that, remember what we talked about, that people in Jesus' time thought holy men had had a a special magical power their saliva had this this power, healing power, like a doctor like a special medicine, they thought that the more holy the teacher was, the more powerful his saliva was I know it sounds a little crazy to us, but we have some pretty crazy techniques of healing we talked about that back in Mark chapter 7 my mom didn't appreciate that sermon, but anyway uh, for those who remember that one um, she did, she laughed so um, why did Jesus spit? Probably the same reason the first time we talked about, we're only guessing, but probably because he knew this would create an expectation of healing. Because this is medicine. He's giving the guy medicine in their mind. So perhaps it was to increase their faith or his faith in preparing for the healing. That's about the only thing we could really think of for that. We're not sure why he spit, but we do know why he touched him. Why did Jesus touch the blind man? Because he's blind. He's blind. Right? Because he's blind. He knew that touch would have a powerful impact on this blind man. Touch is, a hu- is huge to a blind person. Is huge. How do they read? If you're blind, how do you read? You, with, you, with the Braille, you've got to touch. How do, you, how do you recognize somebody? Oftentimes by touching the face. When, when someone who's been blind their whole life, if they want to know what someone looks like, and if you have a blind friend, you know what I'm talking about, they touch your face. They feel your face. That's how they... Figure out what you look like, and that's that's what means something to them. Touches is, is huge to someone who's who's blind, and so Jesus touches, and and that's why he's doing. He's preparing, them. he touches them, and he's preparing them for a spiritual touch. And then he asks them, "Do you see anything? Do you see anything?" And this question has a purpose, as, as I already mentioned. He probably is like, you know, why couldn't he see yet? You know, they said spit in his eyes, right? Yeah. But, but Jesus has a reason why he asks, do you see anything? There's a purpose for it. He's not doing the optometrist thing. If you ever been an optometrist, you know, does this look better, A or B, you know, 80 times, you know? And I get, Michael, I get hundreds of, you know, you know, hundreds of times, you know, with my bad eyesight. And A or B, you know, B or C, you know, okay, A or C, you know? And, and they hate it when I'm there because I'm OCD and I can never, I'm not sure, show me that uh, 80th time, right? But anyway, Jesus is not doing that. There's a purpose for what he's doing, which we're going to see in just a minute. And the guy answers, verse verse 24, he says, he looked up and said, I see people, they look like trees walking around. So he he sees ants, right? Ants. Lord of the Ring fans know what I'm talking about, the walking trees. That's what he sees. He sees ants walking around. He, He sees people, but they look like trees walking to him. Perhaps once he had sight and lost it and he remembered what trees looked like, we don't know. Or perhaps he touched both and he, and you know how human have trunks, you call them trunks and tree trunks, and maybe he touched both and, and he's kind of trying to put it in his box, his blind box there. We're not really sure why, how he made that connection, we're not told. But the point is, and this is, what we, this is the key point, he can't make out any details. He can only see shapes. Remember what I talked about with the artificial vision that I talked about at the beginning with the electrodes of the brain. This doesn't surprise Jesus. Jesus already knew that was the case. That's why he asked them, can you see anything? It's the only time when Jesus ever in his healing that he ever asked this kind of a question. Right? He never did that before. There's a purpose. There's something we got to pay attention here. Jesus isn't, you know, trying to perfect his healing technique here. I missed it the first time. i got to do it a little differently. Let me change the electrodes. Jesus isn't doing that. There's a purpose what he's doing. He never asked that. He never said to the person, okay, I'm going to, the paralytic, okay, do you think you could get up? Do you think you could get up? Do you think you could take a couple, take a little step? Do you think you could do that? He never did. He took him by the hand, pulled him, giddy up, you know, get moving. You know, Jesus gets him going. He just expects it. But this time he has a purpose, right? It's also one of the few times Jesus ever healed in steps. Instead of just instant, there's steps involved. In fact, see if you can find another one, a homework assignment, because we're going to talk about that the next few weeks. We're going to be doing a few parallel passage jump-offs. See if you can find when he healed with a process another time. A little different, but it comes to step two. So we come to our step two, and it all starts to make sense. Verse 25, once more Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Why are there two steps? We aren't told why. Perhaps the first step was preparing him for the second step. It was preparing his faith so he could take the final step of really seeing. That's often the way God works, isn't it? He works that way in our spiritual journey. He reveals himself step by step a little bit at a time. And each one is is leading us to that final step of faith. Think about how you came to faith or coming to faith. A lot of you are wrestling, taking steps of journey and, and spiritual steps on your spiritual journey. And think of how God works in our life. We, we start being curious about God and we start to check out Jesus and, and then we, we start to read about him and we like, wow, this is pretty wild. Spitting, kneeling and all kinds of stuff. And, and then we start to really understand a little bit more about Jesus and then we start to test him out by praying to him and we start to sense the Holy Spirit speaking to us and we start to see him working in our life and, and little by little and all of a sudden we take that final step where we say, I believe Jesus. Is your son. I believe he died for me. I I understand that he rose again from the dead. I believe in him. And I put my faith in him. Not just believing in my head anymore. But I'm putting my faith in him. In my heart. My trust in him. I'm giving my life to Jesus. that, That final step of faith. But God there's many ways that God prepares us. I remember many of you when you became Christians, many of you came for years. Some of you came for two, three, four years before you finally took that step of faith. That's awesome. God has us all on this journey and we take those steps. And and I never, you know, I never pressure people because I know God is 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 is, is working and, and, and moving in hearts. And and you you've come for years and then that one day told me on the way out or filled the card or you emailed me or texted or or just off the cuff called, and, and it's awesome to see when that final step of faith, and that's how God works. He often takes us on these steps. God often works in a unique process in our life, that healing process, spiritual, physical, emotional, mental, all the different ways that he heals us. God works in a unique process in our life. That's why I love testimony services. We're going to have one again after, in between Christmas and New Year's that Sunday. We just have testimonies. People share their stories of how God is working. And many share how they became Christians. And and I love to hear it because I love to hear all the different ways that we come to Christ. All the different ways that God moved in people to bring them to Christ. It's like fingerprints. Nobody has the same fingerprint and no one comes to Christ the same way. God works in all of our lives in all these amazing ways. But they're also touching, aren't they? It's awesome. I love it. Love it. And, and not only salvation, but also our sanctification. Not just our salvation when we put our faith in Jesus, but our sanctifi- sanctification is when we become like Jesus, become holy like him. Our life changes and we become like Jesus Christ. That is a lifelong process it's a healing process, a lifelong process there is no set formula well you just got to read this book and do this discipleship manual and, and and do this and jump through these hoops there's no there's no set formula the Holy Spirit doesn't work that way all those things are good they're all positive but the Holy Spirit works in different ways in all of our lives to bring us in this sanctification process i it's like parenting books. I remember when we first started having kids, and we got all these parenting books, and and I, you know, we read them. And they say if you do x plus y equals z, you know, if you do this with your kid and this with your kid, this is how they're going to turn out. And we remember reading those things. Okay, let's try it. And the bonk, you know, it doesn't work that way, right? I threw most of those books out. There's a couple I saved, Grace-based Parenting and stuff. You know, there's a couple really good ones, but most of them were just formulas and they don't work. They, it's not how kids work and it's not how we work. Our, God's spiritual children don't work that way either. There's a whole unique process. God's plan and purpose, God's plans and purposes often involve preparation that we would have never picked, right? And we would, didn't really want in our life. But God has this, this whole plan and, and he knows how to do it. Remember I talked about spit and polish with the other spitting incident. God, God knows what it takes to sandpaper us. He knows what it takes to refine us. He knows what it takes to bring us to our knees and to him. He knows how to prepare us for his, process, for his purpose. How to prepare us for his purpose. I think often of, of Chuck and Joan with, with Scott. With, with Charity Water. And, and remember when Scott was here sharing his story. And poor, poor Chuck and Joe All those years. Praying for this kid. And Scott shared his story. What a powerful story. And now, now Charity Water is the result. But God knew what it was going to take to take him. Prepare him. All those, those, those years wandering. Knew what it was going to take to prepare him to start Charity Water. Touching millions of lives now. God has a Purpose. And he prepares us. And it's a process. It's different with everybody. Just like this guy. This is a very unusual healing. God is showing that, how he uses different processes and different steps to, to, to heal us. Same with healing. It's often a process. It's great when God just heals. Don't you love it? I love it. We've seen it happen. It's awesome. The prayer team prays for it all the time. But sometimes it's a process healing. It, there's a little bit of healing and a little bit more and a little bit more. Or Also, we hit the brakes. God knows when delays are needed in our healing too because there's there's, there's steps for the healing. There's a reason for it. Many times we're not ready for the next step of our healing, are we? We're not ready. God... we're not ready for that full freedom we're not ready for that total healing we're not ready god knows he wants us to persist in prayer he has work to do in our lives or in the person we're praying for many times i'm praying for someone and it's not changing i'm like okay god i'm gonna quit praying for their healing i'm gonna start praying what do you need to do in their lives so that they can take the next step to their healing, physical healing, spiritual healing, emotional healing, whatever it is, mental healing. What do you need to accomplish? Accomplish that. Changes the whole prayer. Changes the whole perspective. Oh not get my kid here or get him into this or let them accomplish this or, or this person in the church heal them. It changes the whole way we pray. God, what do you need to do in their life or in their Marriage, or in their family, or in their whatever. What do you need to do in their life so that they can take that next step? In my life, what do you need to do? That's what the Bible. That's what the Bible teaches Romans five three and Romans five three to five. Paul talks about this where he says, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering develops perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, whom He has given us. There's a reason for the suffering and the struggles. There's steps that we need to take. James one two to four. Remember, we talked about what's your PJ? Remember that sermon way, way back? Was there your personal joy? Uh, not only so, but we also rejoice. I'm sorry, I'm getting, doing Romans again. Uh, James one two. Consider it pure joy. What's your PJ? Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. What is God trying to do in our life? Are we getting this? Perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. What is God doing in our life? What steps is he taking in our life? What does God want to do in our life? Are we ready? What's blocking the next step? What's blocking the next step to healing, to sanctification? Maybe we are. (laughs) Usually it's us, right? It's usually us. God rarely shows us the staircase. We all want to see all the steps ahead, right? All the ducks in a row. He rarely shows the staircase. He shows one step at a time. And when you take that step... Then the next one appears. That's how it works. Remember Indiana Jones and the Holy Grail? When the, when the guy, was, Indiana Jones, it was, he was getting ready to step out and there was nothing there. And, and he was going to step and he had to take that step of faith. Right? Indiana Jones got it right. And as soon as he stepped, all of a sudden that, that walkway, that stone walkway appeared. And he could walk across that, that big chasm. Right? That's salvation that's sanctification that's how god works in our life maybe here today and god's waiting for you to take the step of faith to become a christian the final step of giving your life to jesus christ now, once again, we're on a spiritual journey and I, there's no pressure. If God has you on a journey and you're taking your steps, that's great. But maybe, maybe God has shown you clearly and the Holy Spirit has convicted you. And you know exactly what you need to do, but you're resisting the Holy Spirit. This is what I want to talk to. Not those who are on the journey, but those who are resisting the Holy Spirit. We can resist the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 7. Something, there's, because there's something we don't want to give up. There's something we don't want to surrender And you don't want to take that last step, even though the Holy Spirit has shown you clearly and you know it's time. There's a warning in verse 26 for us if we're resisting the Holy Spirit in some way. In verse 26, it says, in the last verse, Jesus sent him home saying, Don't go into the village. Don't go into the village. Stay out of Bethsaida. And remember, he took him out of the village to heal him, too, didn't he? What's up with this village? He, now he doesn't let them to go back in. Why? To understand that, and some of you already got this. You sent me some good emails on it. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 20, says this, verses 20 to 24. Always, there's always a reason for everything. Matthew 11, verse 20, Then Jesus began to denounce the cities in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. If the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloths and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the skies? No, you will go down to the depths. If the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. But I tell you that it will be more bearable for Sodom on the Day of Judgment than for you. Bethsaida had rejected their revelation. And what was that revelation? The feeding of the 5,000 was in their backyard. They saw Jesus feed 5,000. Most of them were probably there eating the bread and the fish. And remember what they tried to do after that feeding? They tried to make Jesus the king. They tried to elect him president. They tried to make him the human Messiah. And they tried to, by force, to force him to become the ruler of Israel. Not a spiritual ruler, but a a physical ruler that would beat up the Romans, right? And feed them them breakfast. When's breakfast, right? That was good dinner. When's breakfast? But Jesus didn't go along with their earthly plan. And that's the real reason they rejected Jesus. He didn't go along with it. He didn't go along with their earthly plan. That's the reason many Christians fall away, isn't it? I see it all the time. Many Christians fall away because God doesn't go along with their earthly plan. Well, I thought becoming a Christian, man, I was going to have this and this and no more problems. And, and I was going to skate into heaven someday. And, and a lot of people fall away from, from their Christian faith because God disappoints them. God makes them mad. God ticks them off. God does not go along with their plan. Maybe you're here today and you are not putting your faith in Jesus. You're resisting because of that reason. I see many that don't put their faith in Jesus because they don't like God's plan for their life. They want to live their way, which means any way they want. They want to live their way. I want to do it my way. Theme song of hell. I did it my way. And they resist because they don't want to live Jesus' way. And so they reject Jesus, the same as the people of Bethsaida reject Him. And when we do that, we cross a line. We cross the line of grace. There is no more grace. And I'm not talking about wrestling in our faith. We all wrestle in our faith. And if, once again, if you're seeking wrestle, that's good. Wrestling in our faith is one thing, but hardening our heart is another thing. Hardening our heart, it says, I'm done. I don't believe it. That's not wrestling. When you, when you have doubts and you wrestle with something, that's good. That's healthy. That's what grows faith. That's what grows the muscles of faith. But we say, no, nah, I don't believe it. I'm done. When we harden our heart, and, and that is a dangerous, dangerous thing to reject God's revelation. Dangerous. Before we go to prayer, I just want to share this story of a time I saw it. I remember I was a youth pastor. I was just starting out 30 years ago. I was a youth pastor, and I was, uh, there was a fringe kid in my youth group when I was at the beach, and this kid was at the beach too, and his parents asked me to give him a ride home back to this area. And they said, can you give him a ride home? I said, yeah, and, and I get this kid. So I got him two hours in the car, and you know what I'm going to talk about. And, uh, and uh, so I started sharing, and I shared the whole gospel with him, and I'm really talking about God, and I'm, I'm, I'm giving him an earful, right? And this is a crazy thing. He believed He had heard it all. He actually believed it. He believed it. Yeah, I, I know about Jesus dying. I know about him coming alive. I, he knew it. He had, he, he had heard it all before. But he, you know what happened? He didn't want to surrender his life. He didn't want to give up the things that, it, to his mind, were fun and f- f- fulfilling. Uh, he didn't want to surrender his life. And I pleaded with him. I pleaded with him. I said, all that stuff is, you're choosing all that junk over Jesus. You're, you're you're, that stuff you're choosing over Jesus is, is garbage, it's empty it's not going to fulfill you it's, it's, it's worthless, trust me believe me, the Bible says it I've experienced it, you will know it and, and he, just, he was not phased. but I really sensed the Holy Spirit leading me to keep pushing, sometimes I just drop it but this time I sensed the Holy Spirit really leading and so I, I said to him, I said what if you die what if we crash this car right now and you die And that could happen with me driving. And I said, what if we die? What if we die? And what if you die and stand before God? Right now, what would you say? What's going to happen? And I'll never forget what he said. He said, I'll worry about that when I get there. I didn't see him again. Alive. A couple months later, we got the shocking news that he was killed in a car accident. Shocking. Shook up the whole school. They held the funeral in our church. It was mobbed with kids. I mean, kids were everywhere, just crying, upset. And I overheard a couple of his good friends talking. And, and, and they were like, yo, yo, uh, can you believe that he died? Because tonight he had tickets to the ACDC concert tonight. And, and he's, can you believe that? Tonight he had the tickets to the ACT concert. And uh, that's one. Yeah, that's one ticket that's being wasted. Well, there's other things wasted there. But uh, but he's like, yeah, there's one thing being. That's another ticket being. That's a ticket being wasted. And I remember thinking that's not the only ticket being wasted. He's standing before Jesus Christ, and he had a ticket in his hand, and he didn't keep it. He wasted his ticket into heaven and he's entered eternity facing judgment because he hardened his heart to the Holy Spirit speaking to him. Let's pray. How is the Holy Spirit speaking to us this morning? Maybe you're not a Christian yet, and once again, you're taking your steps of faith, great, but if maybe the Holy Spirit is really convicting you and you're resisting him I want to encourage you to give it up give it up whatever sin trade that sin trade that junk trade that human goal trade up for Jesus Christ and put your faith Jesus Christ trade it for real life in Jesus Christ Give it up. Respond to the Holy Spirit's conviction. And you may be sitting there, never. maybe you prayed the prayer, but it never took. How do we know if it takes? Because our life changes. You cannot have the Holy Spirit in you and not have a radical, lasting change. Give it up. Right where you are, right this moment, you can pray and put your faith in Jesus Christ and give your life to him. Just say, God, I ask you to forgive me for my sin, for everything wrong I've ever done or ever will do. I ask you to forgive me. I repent of it. I walk away from it. I don't want it anymore. I ask you to forgive me. I put my Faith in Jesus Christ, your son, who died for me, who came alive for me. I put my faith in him. I'm going to follow Jesus. I give my life to Jesus. I encourage you to take that step of faith. And if you do take that step of faith, I want to encourage you to let somebody know. Tell me, Text me, call, tell me on the way out, tell out the card, tell a friend, tell a family member. Let somebody know so that we can help you and encourage you and be excited for you in your new life. Helping you find your purpose in Jesus Christ. I know many of us have already put our faith in Jesus, but how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? How is he working in our life? And just like I said before, to give it up, I'm going to say this, get out of the way. We need to get out of the Holy Spirit's way. What process is he using to heal us, to sanctify us, to grow us up, to mature us? And it doesn't make any human sense. And we're feeling, I don't sign up for this. Just take the next step. The next step of faith, trusting Jesus. Just take the next step. And persevere. God, I'm going to. Just pray, God, I'm going to persevere. I'm going to take this step. And the next step. And the next step. On this stairway to heaven. I'm going to keep taking these steps. I'm going to get out of your way. I'm going to stop. Trying to do the Holy Spirit's job. Father, it's easy to say all this it might even be easy to hear this but it's hard to live this we pray for your mercy and grace and we pray that your Holy Spirit would move in our hearts now I pray that every person here hearing this would put their faith in you Lord and I pray that you would help each of us today, this week to take that next step of faith And find that healing, find that sanctification, find the next step in your purpose in our life. Whatever the process is, Lord, I pray that we could see what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen.